athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. You are locked into the Dopey Show on radio from the press box to press row. I am your host, Donald Ware. Less than seven days away from the HBCU football season, which kicks off on Thursday, August 29th. The schedule looks like this. You have North Carolina Central at Austin P. Alabama State is at UAB. Morgan State is at Bowling Green. Delaware State is at Delaware. And Florida A&M is at Central Florida. Seven days away. Then, of course, the bulk of the HBCU schedule takes place two days after that. So on August the 31st with multiple games. You can log on to our website, BoxToRow.com, BoxToRow.com to check out the schedule. We got so much to get to today on the program. We're going to continue talking with some of the top HBCU football players in the country. With that, Jimmy Robinson, who is a running back, a punt, really a kick returner, can return punts, wide receiver. I call him Slash of HBCU football scheduled to join us on the program. Also want to talk about uh, preview some of the conferences I'm um, in HBCU football and what to expect. Hopefully you've been tuning in to our HBCU football daily podcasts and um, I mean, we've been giving you some really, really good stuff. So hopefully you've been able to check that out at our website at box to couple of other things I want to get into as a matter of fact. And some of the big news in terms of HBCU sports is the fact that Stephen Curry of the Golden State Warriors um, is sponsoring Howard's golf team. A big announcement took place uh, on Monday. That is kudos to Howard. Um, part of, uh, and not, not to, you know, I don't want to take away from that because I think that is a very huge deal. I think also at the end of the day, you know, a lot of times you've heard me talk about on this program and especially in lieu of the fact or with respect to the fact that we are now celebrating 14 years on the air officially on August 20th. You've heard me talk many times. I mean, as a matter of fact, um, when we um, were able to get to Raji P. Hinton on the program back in April, That interview took nine or ten years to be able to get that interview. And, you know, I I, I want uh, Howard University, the golf team, to in fact get the shine that it deserves. Here's the issue. You have these companies, these so-called public relations companies or these uh, companies that are supposed to promote 
this type of activity that's going on. So you have a situation where um, it was, you know, I, I, I think I found out about it maybe on Saturday that they were going to announce it on Monday. But the issue is that the company in this case, which is Rogers and Cowan, which is a renowned company I've had, you know, many dealings with them over the years, as a matter of fact, trying to get certain guests on the program. I think we've had two from them um, uh, over over the over the years in terms of trying to get guests on the program did not would not make Steph Curry available to not only talk to this program, because you could look at it and say, well, you know, Donald, you're being a little bit selfish. You're just uh, a little bit concerned or upset or whatever adjective that you want to use because Steph Curry didn't come on your program. But here you have a situation. OK, you can look at it from that vantage point, but I'm going to give it to you from this vantage point. You have Howard University owns a top five radio station in Washington, D.C., consistently top five in the ratings. All right. That, that typically doesn't happen with um, with university radio stations in respective markets. You have some stations that are able to get numbers in their respective market. But here you have Howard University via WHUR, which is a top consistently a top five radio station in what used to be called the old Arbitron rankings, which is now. Um, not Arbitron, but it's uh, under um, uh, Nielsen. It's Nielsen rankings now. All of it's Nielsen TV, the way they rank or uh, rate TV stations, uh, radio stations, how many listeners you have, all of those good kind of things. Here you have a radio station like WHUR where um, Rogers and Cowan doesn't even allow the school's Radio station, which is a top five. When you when you're talking about when 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 I say top five station, I mean you know that means there are uh, in in the Washington area there's four plus million people that encompass the Washington area. So uh, you have a, a situation where you have so many hundreds of thousands of people at any given time that will be listening to WHR. They didn't even. They didn't even do Rogers and Cowan didn't even allow for media um, or for an interview with WHUR. I made the call. Um, I was told that uh, WHUR did not have uh, Steph Curry as a guest. And if they had had him as a guest, we wouldn't even be having this conversation right now because at least you would have done the media the right way. You have these HBCU entities and you have all of these things that that happen a lot of times with our schools and with big time personalities that do things with our schools. Yet you have these entities that shade HBCU entities and it's not right. Congratulations to Howard going to have a golf team. But that's not right. What Rogers and Cowan uh, uh, did in terms of not allowing for media, more specifically HBCU media, to have Steph Curry on the on respective programs to talk about why this in fact happened. What you know, you can talk to me all day about reading the quotes and all of that. And he said this, and they put out a press release and all of that. Forget about that. Not going to talk. That's not going to happen here on Boxster. I'm not reading any quotes. I want to know directly why from Steph Curry. And it's not Steph Curry. 
It has nothing to do with Steph Curry. It's not his call. Generally, what happens is you'll make these requests. They'll have, um, you know, uh, media people, um, the so agency or what have you that will generally doesn't even inform the said person, in this case, Steph Curry, to to uh, to be able to have an opportunity to talk about it. Generally, they'll speak on his behalf and generally uh, the the answer is he's not available or they're not available. All of, you know, those kind of things is, is an absolute. It, it is uh, it is absolutely ridiculous. Rogers and Cowan should be ashamed of itself for not allowing for HBCU mediums to be able to talk to Steph Curry about what he did and why he did it. I, I can't worry about who uh, disagrees, uh, who may not be happy about all of that. It, actually, I'd like to get maybe your thoughts on it. Hit me up via Twitter, Box the Row, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two R-O-W, and that is what happens a lot of times with respect to our entities. They're not truly respected, and it is not right. So anyway, going to get off of my soapbox and uh, again, welcome you to the program. So appreciative of the wonderful affiliates around the country that carry from the press box to press row. You know, I'd be remiss. And last week I mentioned uh, uh, quite a few of our affiliates that had been carrying the program for so many years. And most of the affiliates that I mentioned had been carrying the program for 10 years. Two affiliates that I did not mention that have been carrying from the press box to press row for in excess of 10 years. One of those affiliates is KGRM in Grambling in that Monroe Rustin, Louisiana area that carries from the press box to press row um, each and every week. Thank you to KGRM. Also to WASU FM 92.7 in Albany, Georgia. Thank you for carrying from the press box to press row. Been carrying. As a matter of fact, KGRM has been carrying from the press box to press row uh, about 11 years or so. And WASU has been carrying the program at least 10 years, if not 11. So thank you to those stations for carrying the program and all of our wonderful affiliates that carry from the press box to press row. Those that listen to us on Sirius XM channels 141 and 142. And those that listen to us around the world at BoxToRow.com. As I mentioned, the HBCU football season is less than seven days away. We got some good matchups. We're going to run through these matchups. You know, most of the matchups are are FCS HBCUs that are taking on FBS programs. Um, You look at Alabama State and UAB. You look at Morgan State and Bowling Green. You look at Florida A&M. And Central Florida, I mean, when you look at Central Florida, you're talking about one of the best programs in the country. Florida and a lot of these programs are going to be able to see what they're made of, how they stack up against bigger competition. I mean, in more recent years, we've seen the likes of North Carolina A&T taking down a big program last year like ECU. You know, we've seen Alabama State some years ago taking down an FBS program like an FIU. I mean, these wins, while few and far between, do in fact happen. Um, but I think for 
you know, especially for like a Florida A&M, it's going to allow them to see where they are to start this season. When you look at Morgan State and Bowling Green, Tyrone Wheatley in his first season as the head football coach at Morgan State wants to see what his team is made of. And by the way, I think Morgan State's going to have a pretty good defense. The other two games are FCS, FCS opponents. North Carolina Central going to be at Austin P. And Delaware State is going to be at Delaware. I'm just hoping that Delaware State, that that's essentially been a bloodbath the last couple of years. So hoping that Delaware State can make it a little bit more interesting this year. Let's step aside. Let's take a break. Come back. More up from the press box to press row. Hey, what up? It's your man, Nelly. And you listen to From the Press Box to Press Row. So hold it down, all right? Later. Join us on City Plaza in downtown Raleigh Labor Day weekend for the 10th annual African American Cultural Festival, Saturday, August 31st, starting at 11 a.m., and Sunday, September 1st, starting at 1 p.m., featuring the Art Gallery Walk, Family Village, African Market, Merchandise and Food Vendors, and Elders Procession, led by the African American Dance Ensemble. Performances by the Hamiltones, Purple Madness, Prince Tribute Band, Marcus Anderson, Battle of the Decades, with special guests DJ Cool, Special Ed, and DJ skills just once kimberly michelle project 919 centricity theater and dance performances storytelling and much more for the entire family join us in celebrating our 10th year the festival is free and open to the public volunteers need it visit aacfestival.org for more information the african-american cultural festival not just an event it's an experience It's Donald Ware, host of From the Press Box to Press Row. The biggest names are guests on Box to Row. That is the voice of Kevin Durant. Oh, yeah, well, I'm just, you know, trying to get better every single day. You know, uh, we've been through a lot as a team, and I enjoy playing with a great group of guys. Hey, this is Ronda Rousey. This is Michael Vick. Hi, this is Layla Ali. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Skylar Diggins. Hey, it's Alex Morgan with the U.S. Women's Soccer Team. I'm talking about none other than Serena Williams. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. That was definitely one of the better matches I've ever played. I've had it just like that. You know, I was really focused, yeah, and I was really um, ready and serious and just really, you know, excited. Missed any of these interviews? Then check us out online at www.boxtorow.com. That's from the press box to press row. Real, relevant radio. From the press box to press row and boxtorow.com, your HBCU sports leader. Still to come here on From the Press Box to Press Row, Bethune-Cookman, all-world man. He returns kickoffs. He plays running back. He plays wide receiver. He returns punts. I call him Slash Jimmy Robinson on the program. Of course, the countdown to kickoff continues, and last week we had a chance to catch up with Noah Johnson, the quarterback 
at Alcorn State also had a chance to catch up with Taylor Porter, the running back from Arkansas Pine Bluff, as I ranked the top five players in all of HBCU football. And if you missed last week's show, if you haven't had a chance to look at my top five players to watch, I also had a list of top five players, players sort of under the radar, if you will. The All-America team is out. The coaches poll is out. A lot of really good things are out on BoxToRow.com. Log on to BoxToRow.com and take a look and see all of the great things that we have going on on the website. Got to make this announcement on Monday. Um, I had a chance. I was contacted by USA Today and asked to put together as they sell as we have a hundred years of the National Football League, and so USA Today has all of these different uh, stories that they're doing to talk about the hundred years of the National Football League, and they asked me to um, to put together the top 100 players to uh, HBCU players to have played in the National Football League or HBC or players that played at HBCUs that played in the National Football League. And so um, had a chance to do that. That is supposed to come out uh, in Monday or Tuesday's edition of USA Today on newsstands. And uh, uh, actually on Monday, it's going to come out on usatoday.com. So check that out and let me know what you think. So let's take a look at the SWAC. I want to take a look at the SWAC. I'm going to give you my thoughts on the SWAC. We're going to begin with the Eastern Division. No doubt about it in my mind that Alcorn State is going to be the Eastern Division champions again. I mean, when you talk about pretty much the entire offensive line coming back, led by uh, Mustafa Ibrahim, who is getting a lot of accolades. He's getting a whole lot of accolades. Uh, reminds me a little bit uh, of Brandon Parker uh, from a couple of years ago with North Carolina A&T, who got a bunch of accolades and ended up, of course, being drafted by the Raiders a couple of years ago in the National Football League draft. But Mustafa Ibrahim anchors that outstanding offensive line that has uh, makes a total of three first-team all-swack preseason guys <laughs> I mean it's it's unbelievable Noah Johnson comes back for his fifth year uh, he redshirted during that 2015 season and actually got some time if you remember you know he got some time uh, during the 2016 season when he probably shouldn't maybe would not have gotten time had it not been for injuries so he's coming back ready to rock and roll uh, a guy that can throw the football also very dangerous with his legs Deshaun Waller outstanding running back is back as as a matter of fact have him ranked as my top number one player in the top players to watch in all of HBCU football and that's just on the offensive side of the football I mean when you look at them uh, defensively I mean Alcorn State is going to be outstanding once again defensively Solomon Muhammad comes back at that linebacker position one of the best linebackers that you have you have Javen Morrison Quinterio Cole in the secondary I mean Alcorn State is absolutely loaded and you know I mean I'm looking at this Alcorn State team um, as a team to uh, not only win the Eastern Division, but also to win the SWAC championship overall. Uh, in second place, I have Alabama A&M. I like Alabama A&M. I like what Connell Maynard was able to do in his first season. Uh, Akil Glass 
is the real deal at quarterback. I mean, that young man can play. He's got a pretty solid offensive line as well. He's got a, uh, at least, he's got a couple of pretty good receivers led by Brian Jenkins, um, who returns as well. Um, you know, he's got a good tight end in Kendrick Johnson as well. I mean, I like Alabama A&M, um, to come in at the number two spot. I mean, I also think they're going to be better defensively. I think they're going to be solid. I thought that they were okay defensively last year. I think, um, once again, they're going to be solid on the defensive side of the football. Um, once again is Alabama A&M. I have them at number two. Of course, Armani, um, Holloway is their linebacker who's a first team all MEAC guy. At the number three spot, I like Alabama State this year. Um, you know, I, I, I like what Alabama State has coming back. I like what they have um, on the offensive side of the football or, or the defensive side of the football, I should say, uh, more specifically. And they're going to be led on that defensive side of the football. It's a lot of really good linebackers this year. And one of the best is Deron Johnson of Alabama State. He's going to be pretty good uh, up front. I like uh, Christian Clark. I think he's going to be pretty good as well. And the thing about it, good special teams for Alabama State. I think special teams definitely underrated. Ezra Gray as a return specialist, phenomenal. That guy can play. That guy can return kickoffs um, as well. Plus, they have a pretty good punter in Anthony Craven. So I like Alabama State at number two. At number three, um, I like Jackson State. Um, I think John Hendricks is there. He's going to build a pretty good program there at Jackson State. Coach Hendricks takes over um, towards the latter part of the season. Jackson State, who struggled all year, uh, ends the season at two and one. Uh, and their defense is their defense is pretty good. They were third in the SWAC in terms of points allowed per game. And watch out for a young man that we're not talking a whole lot about right now. But I promise you, by the end of the season, we will be Keontae Hampton, linebacker for Jackson State. I mentioned the linebackers. I mean, this guy should be a first team all swag linebacker preseason. But I mean, it's just so many really good linebackers, just not enough spots. But watch out for that guy. I think he's going to be pretty good. And number five, I have Mississippi Valley State. They got definitely have some work to do, does Mississippi Valley State. But I think it's going to be uh, an improved season from from 2018. And I mean, you know, they lose a big player in Booker Chambers, who was a box to row All-America last year. Um, it, it guy could, uh, uh, return, uh, was a good return specialist and also a good wide receiver. So let's recap. I got Alcorn State. I have Alabama A&M, Alabama State at number three, Jackson State at number four, and Mississippi Valley State at number five. In the Western Division, I think it's going to be Southern. I think the, I think the Western Division is going to be really, really competitive. It's not going to be like the East where I think Alcorn State's going to run away with it. I think Southern is going to be. I think Southern has to be the team to beat. They're the defending um, champions. Ladarius Skelton. This is going to be the year. So we saw Ladarius Skelton play last year, and what Ladarius Skelton was able to do once um, once he came in after a blow off loss, middle of the season. Uh, for Southern, and this guy can run with the football. You know, he, his passing is going to improve um, this year. So I like Southern at, at number one. I think they have a pretty good offensive line. I think their defense um, is going to be really, really good 
this year, led by Jordan Lewis um, on that defensive line. I really like Southern um, at number one. Number two is tough. You know, it's between Grambling and Prairie View A&M. Um, I mean, I think Grambling, I, I wouldn't call Grambling's year last year a down year. I mean, they had a lot of players to replace, a whole lot of players to replace. I did think, however, they didn't uh, do as well defensively as Maybe they should have, particularly with the fact that they had a really, really good defensive line. But the reason why I think I'm going to go with Prairie View A&M, a couple of reasons. Number one, uh, it had been a while since Prairie View A&M had defeated Grambling in that State Fair Classic in Dallas. Um, and they did that last year. They beat Grambling. Prairie View A&M beat Grambling head to head. I'm going to go with Grambling. I like Jalen Morton as the quarterback. He comes back. Uh, really, really good. Had a, 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 you know, had a good season. And you look at the way Prairie View A&M started off last year. Only the three-point loss to TCU beat North Carolina Central. Then um, had Sam Houston State and uh, played them close. That's a perennial power in Sam Houston State. Played them pretty close. Um, you know, Dewanya Tucker was having a heck of a season at running back last year. Not that he didn't. He had it early on and then sort of tailed off. I think. Not that he has something to prove, but I think he's got a bit of a chip on his shoulder now that we're talking about Deshaun Waller and Taylor Porter. I think Dewanya Tucker definitely has a chip on his shoulder. Um, I like Tristan Wallace, uh, 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 the, the wide receiver. I really like Tristan Wallace and uh, what he's able to do. And then I also think from a defensive perspective, I think Prairie View A&M uh, is going to be pretty good from a defensive perspective as well. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, Drew Anthony Parker, I mean, that guy, I remember when we did the recruiting classes a couple of years ago, had you, uh, Drew Anthony Parker as, as a guy to watch had ranked Prairie View A&M very high and look at, uh, what he's able to do two time box to row all America. But that's not to say that, um, Grambling is not going to be good. I got Grambling, um, at, at number three. Uh, I, I think Jeremy Hickbottom, the quarterback, Going to be much improved. The reins belong to him solely, at least right now, uh, this year. Defense is still going to be solid for Grambling, so I have them at number three. You know, I have Arkansas Pine Bluff at number four, but I'm going to tell you what. I mean, I really like what Arkansas – don't be surprised if Arkansas – I mean, it's hard for me to, to say, okay, I'm going to put Arkansas Pine Bluff two or three. Hard to say, but I think with the talent that they have, they may be at the upper echelon of the Western Division uh, once everything is said and done, quarterback is solid. Obviously, Taylor Porter receivers are really, really good. I got Texas Southern at number five. Let's step aside, take a break, come back with more uh, from the press box to press row. Still to come here on from the press box to press row. We're going to be joined by Jimmy Robinson of Bethune Cookman, one of the best players in all of HBCU football. It's a guy that can really, really do it all. And I think Bethune-Cookman's going to be uh, an improved team in 2019. Going to still be right at the top of the MEAC. So let's, speaking of the MEAC, let's take a look at the MEAC. I think uh, the team to beat, it has to be North Carolina A&T. It's got to be North Carolina A&T, uh, the two-time defending HBCU national champions. Uh, obviously, anytime you lose a guy like a Lamar Reynard. I mean, that is absolutely huge. 
the all-time leading passer at North Carolina A&T. Khalil Carter will be the quarterback. The thing about Khalil Carter, it is his fifth year in the program. He's won some very big games in the program. I mean, he was the quarterback in the Aggies' victory over ECU last year. Uh, that game against South Carolina State, which was, you know, you think about it, you go back to 2015 in that game in Orangeburg against South Carolina State, a game in which A&T won that game 9-6 to on a, or 9-7 to on a field goal um, by A&T, a missed field goal by South Carolina State as time expired. And that was South Carolina State's game to have. They had the, matter of fact, the MEAC championship in the bag, and I think, it had South Carolina State won that football game, we'd be talking about a whole different scenario when it comes to North Carolina A&T. But Khalil Carter, he was, and Khalil Carter was the quarterback um, towards the latter part of that game. Um, listen, uh, he, he's, he's got some really good receivers, most notably um, Elijah Bell, who played injured last year. I think Elijah Bell... Um, we're not talking a lot about him. He's he had two spe- really spectacular years for A and T, and all things considered, a good year last year. Uh, running back Jamaine Martin uh, is in the mix. The offensive line that may be a bit of a concern because you you essentially are going to have a lot of new guys. Marcus Pettiford is going to anchor that offensive line. He's one of the guys that's been one of the continuing offensive linemen defensively. No Daryl Johnson, who left um, for went, if you will, his senior year to enter the National Football League draft is with the Bills now, uh, but still some good players coming back. Uh, Mac McCain, cornerback, had an ACL injury last year, but he comes back. He's got four pick sixes in his career for touchdowns. So, I mean, I, I think A&T has to be the team to beat. A couple of surprising losses last year, FAMU and Morgan State, but A&T has to be the team to beat in the MEAC. At number two, I've got Florida A&M. Um, I, I think when you have the quarterback that Florida A&M has, an, an elite-level type of quarterback in Ryan Stanley, that bodes well. I think where Florida A&M is going to be really good this year is going to be on the defensive side of the football. I think their defense last year was a little bit underrated. Um, special teams are going to be phenomenal. Chris Fadul as the punter was a box to row. Um, All-American last year is going to be pretty good. I mean, now, let, me, let me go back to offense a little bit. Deshaun Smith um, at the running back position is going to be pretty good as well. Some solid receivers. Xavier Smith, one of those solid receivers for Florida A&M. Um, he's going to be good. But again, I think defensively, um, you know, Florida A&M is going to be good. I mean, they got a lot of speed on the defensive side of the football. Um, I think Willie Simmons in his second season, uh, you look at fam, they, 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 they didn't know how to win. They beat A&T and then, uh, won the next game against Morgan State, who also defeated A&T earlier in 2018 and then lost the remaining games, including the Florida Classic to Bethune-Cookman. Um, but I, I think that Florida A&M, the Rattlers, have so much coming back in 2018 that I think they are going to be the, uh, the, the team that I have at number two. You know... Number three is tough. Like, it's between Howard and Bethune-Cookman. 
I mean, if I'm looking at just pure, just pure talent, big time names. I mean, I gotta, I'm, I gotta go with Howard at number three. I mean, you, you know, you have Kalen Newton coming back. Um, you have at, at quarterback um, again, uh, probably threw a little bit m- uh, more interceptions than he would have liked last year, but I think he does so many things. Um, he's got to get his completion percentage up, but he's a guy that can also run the football and makes big plays at the end of the day. And then he has uh, Jaquez Ezzard. Wow, what a receiver. I mean, this guy averaged 26 yards per reception last year. He's also got Kyle Anthony, who had, who who was the leading receiver uh, on last year coming back. And then I think Howard, their defense is going to be pretty good. Um, also, uh, some changes obviously there um, with with Coach Prince as the new coach. I'm at Howard, but I still think Howard has to be the number three team. Bethune Cookman at number four. I mean, I really like Bethune Cookman, and really, I mean, for me, two, three, or four could be Bethune Cookman, Howard, and Florida A&M uh, in no particular order. I mean, Akevius Williams comes back. Um, at the quarterback position, I think he's going to be really, really uh, good taking over. It's going to be his second year as the full-time quarterback. You know, he's got some good receivers. Um, the thing about Bethune-Cookman, I mean, Terry Sims as the coach has done a phenomenal job. I mean, they're going to have a, a, a good defense as well there at Bethune-Cookman. And generally what happens with Bethune-Cookman is this. They're, they have a guy – um, whether it's on offense or defense, that maybe wasn't a guy that we talked about earlier in the season or at the beginning of the season, but as the season progresses, I mean, they have you know they have some players that really ultimately step up. Um, you know, when, I mean, in the secondary, <laughs> Bethune Cookman's going to be really good in the secondary. Tidarius Peters, Trevor Merritt come back in the secondary as, as preseason first team guys. Obviously, when you look at them on the defensive line, Marcus Ford, Pochtero All-America last year. It's going to be really, really good as well. So really two, three, or four could go either way. But I like, you know, I like Bethune-Cookman at the number four position. At number five, I like North Carolina Central. And I think the, you know, I think the Eagles this year are going to be right there in the mix. You know, Chauncey Caldwell comes back off that injury from last year, was having a pretty good season before he got injured. And then once he got injured, it sort of, you know, sort of really went downhill from there and a bad loss at the end of the season to North Carolina A&T. Um, ultimately, you, you're talking about uh, a, an elite level running back also coming back in Isaiah Totten. Isaiah Totten uh, returns for uh, North Carolina Central. That defense is going to be really, really good, especially up front for North Carolina Central when you're talking about the likes Kawan Cox, Darius Royster up front. Trey Oliver is going to bring some energy to this program. He's got a good coaching staff. He's an alum of the university. Um, you know, and, and again, I mean, I... You know, I mean, I think that North Carolina Central ultimately could be also. I mean, we could be talking about North Carolina Central in that two, three, four range, four, two, three, four, five range as well. But I like, um, I like North Carolina Central at the number 
five spot. At number six, South Carolina State. And again, I mean, I think South Carolina State ended the season very well. I mean, extremely well last year. And if you heard our HBCU Football Daily podcast, Buddy Pugh said that that was the reason that he came back. He was set to, and I, I still don't know about that situation. I mean, he was set to retire coming into the 2018 season. He said it was going to be his last year. I think he felt like he was reinvigorated and uh, he's earned the right to be there. There's no question about it. Uh, not only because he's built an outstanding program, um, but, be, but also because he ended on a great note. I mean, I think Tyree Nickett, the quarterback, I, you know, he's going to be an improved guy this year. I think Tyree Nick is going to be a guy, a guy really um, at quarterback that maybe we're not talking a lot about. You know, we're talking, I'm talking about Kalen Newton, obviously, uh, at Howard. Um, you, you know, I mentioned Chauncey Caldwell. Um, you know, obviously, Ryan Stanley, an elite level guy uh, with Florida A&M. Um, but I think Tyree Nick has, uh, you know, a real opportunity to, to 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 really advance that South Carolina State team this year. And I have the Bulldogs coming in at number six. At number seven, I got Norfolk State. You know, one of the players we're not talking about a lot is Nigel Chavis. The linebacker for Norfolk State had 71 cha- tackles, had 71 tackles, did uh, did Chavis on last year. Jawan Carter, the quarterback, you know, um, he had a good, uh, a solid rookie year, maybe not so much last year. I mean, he's got some potential, though. I think he's going to grow um, you know, sometimes, uh, especially quarterbacks, don't they they don't have as good a season uh, as in their second year as they did their first because the league is still sort of trying to figure you out. You're you don't really know what you're doing. So you just do. And then you you know, you sort of then uh, become a sophomore in your second year. Uh, you, you know a little bit more, which isn't necessarily a good thing. And then defenses figure you out. Uh, a little bit more so um, but I think I I believe with Carter this year he's going to take a bit of a step forward so I have uh, Norfolk State at number seven Uh, number eight uh, I do have Morgan State and I think Morgan State's going to be better than uh, what we're saying I mean I I, you know when I look at the other teams ahead of Morgan State I mean I in Morgan State has been down the last couple of years, even, you know, despite the big win against North Carolina A&T on last year. But I think this is a team that is going to have a really, really good defense. When you think of the likes of Rico Kennedy, the linebacker, a lot of accolades coming into last season. He played well. He, he played well. I just think he got sort of overshadowed by some of the other guys that played really well as well. Plus, Morgan State wasn't in the upper echelon, but he's a preseason guy um, this year. Also, uh, w- when you're talking about Morgan and from the linebacker position as well, Ian McBurrow, really, really good. I mean, here's a guy that second team all MEAC that was one of the leaders in terms of tackles in the MEAC on last year. I mean, he's really, really good. So I really like Morgan's defense. Dante Small at one of the cornerback positions had three interceptions in a game on last year. He's really, really good. I think the defense is going to be pretty solid. Um, You know, again, Tyrone Wheatley coming in uh, from an offensive perspective. I think Morgan State's going to be improved there as well. And then rounding things out in the MEAC, 
Delaware State. It's going to be um, – but this is the thing about Delaware State. They played tough towards the, in the latter part of the season or the second half of the season, and I think Delaware State's going to be improved in 2019. I got more for you on the other side. Join us on City Plaza in downtown Raleigh Labor Day weekend for the 10th annual African-American Cultural Festival, Saturday, August 31st, starting at 11 a.m. and Sunday, September 1st, starting at 1 p.m., featuring the Art Gallery Walk, Family Village, African Market, Merchandise and Food Vendors, and Elders Procession, led by the African-American Dance Ensemble. Performances by the Hamiltones, Purple Madness, Prince Tribute Band, Marcus Anderson, Battle of the Decades, with special guests DJ Cool, Special Ed, and DJ skills just once kimberly michelle project 919 centricity theater and dance performances storytelling and much more for the entire family join us in celebrating our 10th year the festival is free and open to the public volunteers needed visit aacfestival.org for more information the african-american cultural festival not just an event it's an experience It's Donald Ware from the Press Box to Press Row. Welcome back to From the Press Box to Press Row. Previewing the MEAC in the last segment and before that, talking about the SWAC. As promised, we're joined by a young man who I like to call Slash because he does it all. He's a running back, a wide receiver, returns kicks and does that extremely well. Also returns punts. And I had a phenomenal season on last year. He's a redshirt senior from Palm Coast, Florida. He is Jimmy Robinson of Bethune-Cookman. Joins us here from the Press Box to Press Row. Jimmy, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I want to get your thoughts on, you know, we're less than a a week away, about a week away or so from the start of the season. Um, just, Just your thoughts on how fall camp, I guess you guys are three weeks in or so, how fall camp is coming along. Um, it's, I mean, it's pretty good. I mean, it's a lot of grinding. It's hot. We got guys kind of bumped up, but we got bringing the guys back. We feel really good about where we're at and the, and the pace that we're moving right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure you do as you get ready for your opening game. So take me through 2018, a, a pretty solid season for Bethune-Cookman. Just your thoughts on the team's overall performance in 2018. Um, I mean, we we had a we had a pretty good season. I mean, when we lost Akevius, our starting quarterback. We had we had to find pieces and we had to put things together. I mean, and we finished off the season with a three game winning streak. When we started to find ourselves after we lost him, we just had to get it together. How how was that? Can you kind of speak to how that was in terms of how having to adjust with life or to life after Akevius Williams? Uh, it was it was it was pretty tough because he, I mean our offense was him. I mean he knew he knew the ins and outs of it. He knew if Coach Suber caught the wrong play, he knew how to check it check to the different play and check us into the right formation. So it was just it was just of getting a, another younger guy in and him knowing what to do and how to read the defense. And so it kind of made it a little tough on us, but we we ended up figuring it out. What about that game? What a win for you guys against. Florida A&M on last year in that Florida Classic. You've been a part of these Florida Classics. How special was last year's Florida Classic 
in the manner in which you won that football game? Uh, it was it was really special. I mean, sending my seniors out on on a good turn. I mean, it was also they say it was the eighth, eighth time we beat them. It, that was my first time playing against Florida A and M, so it was it was pretty exciting and, and a fun game. Jimmy Robinson of Bethune Cookman joins us here on from the press box to press press row, like to call him slash because he do, uh, really does it all. What about your role specifically, Jimmy? Last year, you lined up at running back, had success there. You lined up at wide receiver, or at least caught some passes, had success there. Uh, in terms of kickoff returns, had some success there. 1,512 all-purpose yards. Speak to your role last year. Uh, my role was, I mean, like I tell Coach Sims all the time, I'm, I'm a team guy, so I, I, wherever they need me to line up, and I'm going to line up, and I'm going to get my best every time I get. So with with me playing receiver from the beginning of the season, then we lost Quishon Bird, another guy that everyone says reminds me. Well, before I got there, they say he was me. And now they call us Batman and Robin. So when we lost him, we, we had to find our running game. So with that, Coach came to me and told me he needed me to play running back for a couple of games. Went to running back, made it happen. I, I took his role in kickoff return, and I just made a couple of plays when my number was called. You certainly did. 459 yards rushing with 40 carries. I mean, that that is phenomenal. Uh, in excess of 10 yards uh, per carry. Can you can you talk about how you adapted to the running back position, kind of making that transition? And, you know, I'm assuming at least maybe at your previous school and in high school you did play some running back. Yeah, I mean, I was always a running back, but I was always able to be a flexible player and move to different positions when needed to. So when they asked me to play running back, it was just getting my feedback wet. And then the line up front just made it even more easier with making the holes there for me. What about the kickoff returns? I mean, phenomenal. Set a school record, 202 uh, kickoff return yards against Howard. Um, had had uh, multiple touchdowns on kickoff returns. What are you seeing out there? Describe for us what you're seeing out there, which enabled you to return uh, kickoffs for touchdowns, because that's like that's one of the hardest things to do uh, in football is to have a kickoff return for a touchdown. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, when you back there, you send a lot at one time. You just have to touch your instinct. So once I, when I'm in there and I'm in the back, my first thing is to see where the ball is coming off his foot. Once I see where the ball's coming off his foot, I, I managed to set my return up by just reading my blockers. And once I get that one-way lane, you got to hit it and not think twice about it. You can't second-guess yourself. you got to hit it full speed. What about the, the, the return setup? Can you talk about that? Um, you know, a lot of times I think we take special teams for granted, but that's something that you all really, really work on, and obviously it paid off for you at least in 2018. I mean, yeah, a lot of a lot of people they take special teams for granted. Things it's something you t- you take off on, but we won a couple of games off a of special team, so every chance we get, we try to we try to put points on the board because sometimes we don't know if our offense is going to be clicking and firing right off the bat, or if our defense is going to be clicking and firing. So every chance we get on special teams, we try to make up for it. Jimmy Robinson of Bethune Cookman like to call him Slash. He does it all. Joins us here on the program. For you, how what is your role, Jimmy, looking like in 2018? Is it going to be much of the same in terms of you know running back, receiver, uh, kick returner, maybe some punt returner 
uh, et cetera. What's your role sort of looking like in 2019? My role is, I mean, it's going to be the same as last year. I'm going to be something everywhere. You might think I'll be in the backfield and I'll be lined up at receiver. So it's wherever they want me to start off at, but I'll be something everywhere. How have you improved? What What are some of the things you worked on in the off season to improve for this season? What I have worked on in the off season more of just really taking my receiver game to another level. I mean, the, the running back is natural for me, so I've just been practicing working on my receiver game inside the slot, reading the defense on the go, and just perfecting like perfecting my routes. So that's what I've really been working on this summer. For you, can you speak to? Uh, excuse me. For you, speak to. Um, um, how you ultimately, I know you started out at Mercer, um, uh, which is in the uh, SoCon, and how you ultimately ended up at Bethune-Cookman. Um, yeah, I mean, I came out of high school, and I went to Mercer. I played there my freshman year. Was all, I was on the um, SoCon team, preseason team. I made uh, freshman of the year. I mean, an incident happened. I had to end up transferring schools. And I came. I, I applied to Bethune. I had to sit out my year of residency, so I sat out a year. I watched. That's great. Sean, my cousin, um, number twelve, he played. I watched him take on the team. And then the following year, I came in. I did my uh, walk-on. I had to become a walk-on because I came from a D1 to D1 school. So when I did my walk-on in the spring, they offered me my scholarship right before the season. Man, that's a beautiful thing. How difficult was it for you to be out of to not be on the field for a couple of years? Uh, it was it was tough sitting out that year, watching just watching my cousin play, knowing I should be out there with him, or even I should just be on the field. Period. So it was it was it was really tough, and I just had to just perfect my craft and just keep getting better each and every day that I sat out. Couldn't take no days off. Yeah, can talk about being really back at home again. As I mentioned, you're from Palm Coast, and not not you know Daytona Beach, Palm Coast, you know, not far from each other um, at all. Where your family and all you played at Flagler, so where your family and and, and all the people that you grew up with, et cetera, can come out uh, and see you play. It's no big deal to make the trip um, up 95. Um, and again, you you had a lot of success last season. Uh, it, I mean, it, it, it's really, it's really a good thing to be back home. I mean, it's right down the road, so <laughs> a lot of my family travel and come. I mean, they made it to some games up there, in Mercer, but then there were some games that was far. But it's even more easier for them to just come right down the road to Daytona to the Memorial Stadium and watch me play. Lastly, Jimmy, and we appreciate the time again, Jimmy Robinson, one of my top five players in all of HBCU football, joining us here. And from the press box to press row plays, of course, slash, as I like to call him for, Bethune-Cookman. What do you think, Jimmy, it's going to be like next weekend? You guys are in Atlanta for the MEAC SWAC Challenge against Jackson State. How, how ready are you and your teammates uh, to, to kick off the season against Jackson State in Atlanta in the MEAC SWAC Challenge? Uh, I think I think we, we, we're really ready to take on that challenge. Guys, they it's all we've been talking about preparing for Jackson State. That's them taking it one game at a time. So, I think I think my guys are really ready for this for this challenge. You know, I said lastly, but for real, this will be lastly. The the defense playing against the the defense. I mean, you guys always Bethune Cookman always has great athletes. The defense looks like it's going to be good again. What's it like playing against that Bethune Cookman defense in practice? Uh, <laughs> it is. It, it, 
like I said, it's, it's fun each and every day. It's competition, but it, I, like honestly, it's, it's really tough because it's some things that I I know I can I could do, and and it's just it's just there on top of everything. I mean, they're a smart group of guys, especially the DBs. They're they're learning more. They're they're more experienced. So it's it's it's, it's kind of some days it can be tough and frustrating because I don't have the day I want to have, but I also have to realize that we also do have one of the, the greatest defense. The yeah, no question about that. Again, Jimmy Robinson of Bethune Cookman said red shirt senior. He's from Palm Coast, Florida for the Bethune Cookman Wildcats. He joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Again, the Wildcats gonna open the season on Sunday, September first, against Jackson State in Atlanta. Jimmy, we appreciate the time. Good luck to you and the Wildcats this season. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Jimmy Robinson certainly can do it all. It's going to be more of an integral part of the Bethune-Cookman offense. And again, uh, they, you, you were able to really find out what he could do when other players went down. And, and boy, I, I tell you what, he can do it all. Receiver, running back, kickoff returning. He's going to be utilized much more. You'll probably see him get twice as many touches this year as he did in 2018 gotta get ready to run here on from the press box to press row thank you to jimmy robinson for joining us on the program again if you're not locked into box you're missing a bunch of great information i mean got so many good things going on with box don't forget about the hbcu football daily podcast our latest podcast takes a look at the johnson c smith golden bulls you can either download that podcast or click to listen again right on our website box and always remember to support those that support you from the press box to press row is presented by the you believe in something with all your heart, it shall come to pass.